Good morning and welcome to St James's Church. Uh, this is our Bible readings and our sermon for today. Our first reading is from the Gospel of Luke uh, and it's Mary responding to Elizabeth speaking about the child that she's carrying. And it says this. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Peter's first letter, chapter 4, verses 17 to 19. For the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who've never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's pray as we allow God to speak to us through his word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the amazing gift of your word brought to life by your spirit. Holy Spirit, would you meet with each one of us where we are right now and enable us to hear your voice speaking to our hearts. Amen. So, judgment. Hooray. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> we have had conversations uh, in the past at St James about the fact that we don't talk about judgment enough. Uh, so let's let's look at this. I mean, in all honesty, there's quite a lot of judgment around, isn't there? Uh, so I don't know what work you do or what happens, but uh, if you're a teacher, uh, Everyone knows about Ofsted uh, and the stress that is. Uh, if you're a doctor or a nurse, you've got the, the Clinical Care Commission, the Care Quality Commission. I'm getting confused, but the <laughs> an equivalent. Uh, for our politicians, we have elections. They are If they're not doing the job that we want to do, then they are out. Uh, for sportsmen and women, then there's match day. There's the event where they have to perform uh, the stuff that they have practised. And um, I remember in the Olympics recently, one of the uh, British medal winners was in gymnastics. And it was a pommel horse routine that lasted a couple of minutes. And he had been training for that couple of minutes for years and it was all about, could he do that routine without any mistakes at that time 
while those judges are watching and then waiting for their judgment. Now, uh, as clergy, you might not know this, but we have um, annual, uh, they call them ministerial development reviews, uh, where we talk through with someone else what's happening with our work, how we're doing. Uh, every three years, the church is visited by the archdeacon. It's called the archdeacon's visitation. And he checks through uh, what we're doing with the building. He checks through our paperwork. Um, I say he, it's now a she. It's gone from being Duncan Green to uh, Catherine Pickford, the venerable Catherine. And um, there is judgment. Now, it's interesting because obviously you know that I was chair of governors at Lion Park Primary School. And when Ofsted came, there was a lot of talk about who was going to who was going to be on the inspection team? Who was judging us? What were they like? What were their preferences? What would they want to see? And how could we best present ourselves to those judges? And actually through the inspection, there was a check as to kind of like, are their judgments fair? Is what they're saying uh, reasonable? Or have they jumped to a conclusion if they misunderstood something? Uh, is there something that we wanted to push back on and say, you saw a problem there, but actually here, 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 here and here, it's fine. How is that going to work? And there was a lot of concern about um, the impartiality of the judges, that some inspectors were harsher than others. Um, actually, it made me, it, I mean, I'm not a teacher, so as invested as I was, and governors were being inspected the same as the whole school was, uh, I still felt I found I had the distance to laugh that the inspection team turned up with an extra person who was the inspector of the inspection team. So we had an extra person who was going around inspecting the school, not to make a judgment on the school, but to judge when the inspectors were inspecting the school properly. So as the school was being judged, the judges of the school were being judged. Uh, and I, I spent a couple of days talking about a school inspector, inspector, uh, and enjoying myself quite a lot. But the stress of those few days was was huge. And if you are a teacher, uh, I don't take lightly the impact on you of, of knowing Ofsted are coming, knowing that your teaching is being uh, observed and, obsess uh, and assessed uh, and your school is being assessed and the impact that has on students and on parents, on the self-esteem of everyone involved. Uh, and actually, the sometimes the financial future of the institution, because schools can be forced to become academies if they are deemed to be failing. So there's a lot of tension in being judged. And so it struck me as we were looking at our readings today, which starts, the time has come for judgment. And it must begin with God's household. That sometimes our response to judgment is to say, well, who's judging us? What right do they have to judge us? Are they going to be fair in the way that they judge us? Uh, and I think that's a very human response. Um, I always find it interesting when you're given self-appraisal forms, where you're asked to, reflect on your own performance 
and how you are doing something. I find those really difficult. Um, if anything, I tend to be harder on myself because it would be worse to have other people say, oh, no, 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 you're not that good, um, than it would be to have someone else say, oh, no, no, you've been hard on yourself here. I think you're a bit better than that. Uh, I tend to go low when I'm judging myself. Now, we know as Christians that God is our judge. There are any number of passages talking about um, God judging us, about there being um, a way into God's house at the end of time that will be, we'll be allowed in or not. Uh, but then also there are passages which says that, well, we'll be, what we've done will be judged. We talk about the sheep and the goats being separated. Uh, and, you know, those people who are on the one side saying, but Lord, we, we did your work. And she's saying, no, you, no, you didn't. So when you, when you refuse to feed someone, you refuse to clothe someone, when you didn't visit those who were lonely, who were in prison, you, you failed to help me. Go away from me. Now, at this point, it's really important to say, um, we do not believe in salvation through works. We don't believe you're saved by the things that you do. It's simply not true. Our gospel is that we are saved through faith in Jesus. Literally, all we have to do is accept God's grace towards us in taking the punishment for our sins, in mending the separation between God and people. And we accept it and we say, please, Lord, have mercy. Then we are forgiven. We are saved. We have moved from darkness into light. Our names are written in the book of life. That is it. We have been saved. And yet, Paul writes in his letters, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In another place, he writes, um, live lives worthy of the calling that you have received. So you have this dynamic throughout the New Testament that we are safe in God. We are saved by his grace and nothing we do can make us more or less saved. We are saved. Our place in heaven is secure and that is that. However, there is still a sense of our actions having consequences. And so this goes back to something we've talked about before at St. James, which is about salvation being something which is both past, present and future. So it's entirely right for a Christian to say, I have been saved. Jesus died on the cross and in doing so, he took away all of my sins. And I have been completely forgiven by God because of what Jesus has done 2,000 years ago. It's also entirely appropriate for a Christian to say, I will be saved. One day I will see Jesus face to face. I will be in heaven 
I will be with God in his kingdom and there will be no pain. There will be no suffering. There will only be joy. We won't need the sun and the moon because Jesus Christ will be our light and everything will be perfect in God's kingdom. One day we will be utterly, totally saved. It's also appropriate for a Christian to say, I am being saved. God's Holy Spirit in us is redeeming us, is saving us, is making us more like Jesus. All the choices that we make, all the decisions we make day by day as to how we live, make us more or less like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is in us to bring to mind what we know of God's word, to bring to mind what we know of the truth of who Jesus is, and to shape us, to mould us, so that we are more the people that God created us to be. See, I don't know about you, but I know that God loves me. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm saved. I know that um, nothing I can do can affect my salvation. And yet I can still find myself being insecure, neurotic, jealous, um, defensive, trying to prove that, that I'm OK, that I've done enough, um, trying to curry favour with other people, trying to make other people happy so that they can see that, that I'm OK. Now, why? I, I know that God loves me. I don't need to do anything. I can just, you know, do what God's asked me to do and that's fine. But I am in this in-between stage. I have been saved, but I'm not yet fully saved. And so therefore I'm in this place of working out my salvation in fear and trembling, uh, where I cooperate with the Holy Spirit to try and make decisions, to try and make choices which lead me close to God, lead me to being more like Jesus. Now, Let's remind ourselves who Peter is talking to. He's not writing to one church, as Paul often did. He's writing to Christians who are being persecuted. They are throughout the Roman Empire and, well, they're at risk. They're considered a cult. They're considered dangerous. Uh, their early creed, Jesus' Lord, directly goes against uh, what every Roman citizen had to say, which is Caesar is Lord. We worship Caesar as God and King. And that is how the Roman Empire is kept secure, because um, their leader is both worshipped and obeyed. And so Christians say, no, I'm not worshipping Caesar, I'm worshipping only Jesus, was an act of political rebellion. It affected how you could, whether you could take high station, whether you could get a, a good job, it affected how you were seen by other people, people were suspicious of you. Uh, we know what happened to Paul in Ephesus, where there was a big um, industry creating silver idols of Artemis uh, for people to worship at home. They realised that Jesus, uh, the, the Jesus Paul is preaching about, says you don't need to worship idols. So the market in idols is going through the floor. They don't like it. 
They want Paul out. They want Paul got rid of. And everywhere Christians were, they found people against them because the gospel cuts against vested interests. And people are very protective of their own interests. So Peter is writing to these Christians and he's saying judgment is coming. So he says at the end, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Peter's saying, look forwards, know that that ultimate judgment is coming and you will be fully saved. You will be safe with God in his kingdom and everything will be fine. I can't promise you that your current suffering right now, as you are being saved in this present time, I can't promise you the suffering is going to stop because the world hates Jesus and the world hates you. Therefore, as you are suffering, just keep doing the right thing. Keep doing the best you can and trust that God has got your back. Now, the challenge for us is that we are not in the West being persecuted. Maybe people laugh at us, think we're irrelevant, make jokes about Jesus. But we are not in fear of our lives. Um, There are people in our country who've come seeking asylum from countries where their lives are genuinely at risk. But for us, holding our faith is not a matter of life or death. And so there's an issue there because actually, since the time has come for judgment and it begins with God's household. So the question is, if God is judging us, if God is judging his church, are we ready? We are all saved. We have God's promise for that. We're saved because of what Jesus has done for us. But if Jesus comes tomorrow, how far along that journey towards being saved have we made? How much progress have we made? Where have we got to? Now, the difficult for me, difficulty for me as a church leader is that my responsibility, my accountability is to God. You know, on a human level, uh, I have sworn obedience to the bishop in all things that are lawful and honest. But actually, I'm responsible to God. The archdeacon comes and makes sure that we're financially sound uh, and makes sure that the building is being looked after. But in terms of what we are doing as a people, in terms of how we lead St. James and what St. James does, who am I accountable to? Now, some churches are congregational uh, and the congregation can together take a vote and remove the leadership. That's the way that they're structured. Um, That's not our structure. You're welcome to write to the bishop. Um, At at the moment that we have no bishop, you have to write to the archdeacon if you're unhappy with something. But we're not a congregational church. So therefore, my focus is on my accountability to God. What is God calling us to do as his people at St. James? Uh, And that that is difficult. Because actually at St. James, God speaks through all of us. In 10 years here, we've I've never had a sense of 
God telling me what the church needs to do. God has always spoken through other people, through our church wardens, through, um, well, through older members, through people who pray, coming and sharing what God has said to them. And then we've put that together. We've said, actually, three people have all heard God say to them, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 20 this week. Maybe we should take that seriously. And so that is still the case. We are still, as a church, listening to God and saying, God, what do you want us to do? And God has been doing something at St. James, which is beautiful and which is difficult. The beautiful thing is that in the same way that we know that heaven will be filled with all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all cultures, at St. James, we have these languages and cultures together in a way which isn't always comfortable. It's always much easier to be people who are like you, people who are the same as you. I remember John Root came to our PCC back in July to, to share some of his research. And one of the things he said back in July was, Paul writes to the Roman church, which is full of Jews and Gentiles and different language groups. And one thing he never says is, meet separately. His assumption is always that the church meets as one group. And that is how the Christian people meet. Now, for us at St. James, we have the issue of language. How can you worship if you don't understand what's going on? But actually, when you're in a service and you don't understand everything that's going on, that's painful. That's isolated. It makes you feel like you're not quite part of everything. It's not what we're used to. And so we've been going down this journey of how do we include everyone at St. James, including those who only speak Tamil or only speak Gujarati, and how do we continue worshipping in a way that reflects what God has called us to do, or who God has called us to be. Now, through lockdown, we had to stop, we had to shut. Um, and so now PCC are looking at how we start up again, what service we have, what that would look like, what, what we can do, and specifically what we have the people to do, what we can manage. Because, you know, through lockdown, a number of people have said, Alperton isn't where I want to live for the rest of my life. I, I want a garden for my children or I want a house without stairs for my retirement. Uh, and we we prayed some people out. We sent them on to their next part of uh, their journey with God um, back at the start of the summer. And that's fine because as people leave, others come. But it means that we have holes in what we currently do. And so as we look at what we do, the question is, what is God asking us to do? And my question for each person who's listening today is, what is God calling you to do? Is he calling you to pray? Or is he calling you to do something practical to serve your brothers and sisters and helping services to happen? The church is the people. Um, it's never been at St. James about the person with the dog collar organising everything and telling everyone what to do. But that's harder when it comes from all of us. It's easier for one person to say, right, everyone, you do this, you do this, you do this, off we go. 
But the way that God has worked at St. James is he has helped us learn from each other. And he has spoken through different people coming together. And that wonderful thing of someone sharing something and realising that someone who doesn't speak the same language as them has heard the same thing. At which point you can only have the conclusion that God is real and active and has spoken to both of them. That's such a joy. Because at St James, if God is not in it, this whole project doesn't work. This whole thing we call church doesn't work. We have a social club. We have a place we get together. We do things we like to do. Um, until such time as all of us uh, have moved on or have died and then we can stop. We need God. And actually, as Peter says, there is judgment. The Holy Spirit is with us to save us, to, to work out our salvation in us, to change us to be more like Jesus, but also to convict us. Also to tap us on the shoulder and say, that's not helpful for you or for anyone else. And to help us change, to help us be more loving, more giving, more joy-filled, more forgiving. So, two things today. One is, what is God saying to you? If God is judging our church and each member of it and we where we were where we are on our journey from having been saved to the fact that we will be saved where have we got to on this journey of being saved today and as we open ourselves up to god's judgment on us we know that god is kind loving and faithful and he will empower us and strengthen us for what he has for us to do. Again, I'm just going to read that last bit of our verse today. If you are suffering, and I think by that we can talk about health, we can talk about not having what we want in terms of church, we can talk about um, the repercussions of COVID and grief, we can talk about all kinds of things. If you are suffering, in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. We remember today that our God is trustworthy. We don't need to be scared of him. We have no basis on which to critique his right to judge us. But also we can, we can trust him. Because ultimately he is the one at work in us. So this week, take some time, have a think, be quiet, close your eyes and ask God. What's your judgment? Where am I on my journey? What are you wanting to do in me next as you continue to save me until the day I am fully saved? Let's pray. Let's ask for God's help and his